Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the last of these episodes on Poland, let's quickly run through that geography, that economy, and that international relations. Of course, parts of these can be inferred or have been previously stated in the past two episodes, but this episode provides a cogent space in which all the information can be found. This is a Matafile episode on the diplomatic, fiscal, and topographic landscape of Poland. As with any other economics and geography episode, we begin with a few pieces of news. The big story that I want to turn your attention to today is that there was a large explosion in Beirut, the capital of Lebanon, on Tuesday the 4th of July that has wounded thousands and killed over 70. The structural damage is devastating and the situation has been aggravated by the explosion being located at a port. The loss of a vital economic resource threatens the Lebanese economy which is already in crisis. In South America, Argentina has reached a deal with three creditor groups to restructure $65 billion in sovereign debt with the hope to help the economy recover from the ongoing recession. Ecuador has also managed to win investor support to restructure $17.4 billion of foreign debt, hoping to free up resources for social protection and to reactivate the economy. In the continent of Africa, Five soldiers in Mali were killed by rebels, while in Cameroon, a grenade attack killed 16. There have been flash floods and storms in Southeast and East Asian countries, including South Korea and Thailand, and Sri Lanka has had its parliamentary election on the 5th of August. Finally, in Europe, there have been anti-racism protests in response to the killing of actor Bruno Conde Marquet. In Northern Ireland, the Nobel Peace Prize winner John Hume has passed away. In Poland, there has been a crackdown on LGBTQ activists and protests. This is in response to the activist Margot being arrested on charges of vandalism on a truck that was projecting 
anti-LGBTQ slurs in line with Duda's aggressive anti-LGBTQ stance. So shifting our focus back to Central Europe, the Polish state covers just over 300,000 square kilometers and experiences a temperate seasonal climate. Its terrain is mostly flat and extends from the Carpathian Mountains in the south to the Baltic Sea in the north. It is bordered by Germany and Czechia to the west, Slovakia to the south, and Lithuania, Ukraine, Belarus, and the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad to the east. The majority of the state is characterized by the Polish plain or the central lowlands. This plain is narrow in the west and gradually widens eastward. The coastal plains lie to the north of the country, while the Polish uplands lie to the south. The Sudeten and Carpathian range form a fourth topographic region, while a lake district lies to the north of the Polish plain. Forests covered around 30% of Poland's total land area, making it the fourth most forested country in Europe. Poland is home to 23 national parks that provide additional greenery to the scene. Poland is further home to several rivers, of which Vistula and Oder are the longest, and Poland has one of the highest numbers of lakes in the world. While the state is characterized by a cool temperate climate, temperatures vary depending on the presence of moderating influences, such as hot winds and clouds. For most of the year, Poland receives Arctic air, with mean annual temperatures of most of the country at less than 10 degrees Celsius. On the highest mountain ranges, the mean temperature is often below 0 degrees Celsius, and in the winter can drop to as low as negative 20 degrees. Poland belongs to the phytogeographic Holarctic Kingdom, which means that it is in a floristic region where one might encounter brown bears, grey wolves, moose, beavers, and Eurasian lynxes. It hosts the diversity of migrating birds during mating season, and the Polish forest cover means that it is home to a wide variety of flora as well. Moving on to the economy of Poland, which provides an incredibly interesting case study with regards to the 2008 financial crisis, considering Poland was the only country to avoid a recession following the downturn in 2008. Poland boasts the fourth largest economy in the European Union, the 21st largest in the world, and is classified as a high-income country by the World Bank. Their growth rate has been between 3-5% to since 2014, which is one of the best in Europe. Before World War II, the Polish economy was reliant on the production industries of coal, iron, steel, machinery, textile and chemicals. Since then though, it extends to fertilizers, petrochemicals, electrical machinery, shipbuilding and electronics, with industries contributing to around 40% of the GDP. While the Polish economy liberalized around 1990, there are several state-owned enterprises such as coal and mining that still remain state-owned and have resisted the downsizing required to survive in a market-based economy. While the agricultural sector of Poland provides 12.5% of its total employment, its contribution to GDP is just around 3%. Most state farms are leased to farm tenants and the sector is mostly private. Poland is a net exporter of meat, dairy products and processed fruit and vegetables as it leads European production of potatoes, rye, sugar, wheat and triticale. Over 55% of Poland's GDP is reliant on its service sector. Poland has the largest banking sector of all Central and East European states. It still remains outside the Eurozone as its official currency is this water, and this played a major role in its avoiding of the 2008 financial crisis. 
The current exchange rate of this water is 1 US dollars is worth 3.74 zwater. And Poland has been the beneficiary of a large amount of EU funding after joining, which also played a massive role in averting the recession after 2008. Poland's major exports include transportation, furniture, metals and machinery, and it mainly exports to Germany, Czechia, France, Italy, the UK and Netherlands. Its main imports include petroleum, machinery, chemical products and metals, and it mainly imports from Germany, China, Italy, Russia and the Netherlands. The country had a slight trade deficit in 2018, but it has a higher value of service exports than imports, and it's currently reducing its external debt. There are two major economic states that I want to mention with regard to Poland. The first is their transition to a market economy in 1990 in the post-communist era. Far too often, transition economies rapidly privatise without having the regulatory capacity to oversee the shift, which often contributes to factors such as unemployment, monopoly formation, and a widening of the wage gap. It often comes with the implementation of market prices and an elimination of subsidies, which causes a change in the composition of domestic demand and results in a transformational recession. The Polish economy, despite implementing a radical transformation, managed to avoid most of the crisis and most of its transformational recession. This is because it had some private institutions established before the fall of communism, and the private sector in 1989 in Poland represented a much larger share of the state than in other USSR colonies. Further, Poland went through recessions due to price hikes back in 1980, which meant that the prices of necessities and most imported goods were not as artificially low as in other such states. That said, the Polish economy did undergo a brief recession in 1989 and 1990, as the government decided to implement what was called a shock therapy policy. The plan has several clauses, but just to get an idea of what it looked like, it decontrolled most prices, cut most state enterprise subsidies, and removed all foreign trade restrictions. This policy has been criticised by people as they argue that it was not accompanied by the microeconomic measures and there was minimal to no government intervention in important industries such as steel and shipbuilding. That being said, the rate of inflation was gradually reduced and despite temporary budget deficits, the policy did allow for a quick creation of a thriving private sector and a speedy introduction of legal and institutional reforms to the Polish economy. Entrepreneurship saw a boom as the number of private sector enterprise entries into the economy increased from a mere 30 in 1988 to a staggering 4,325 in 1992. This helped rapidly reform the transitional economy. What this means is that by 1992, a majority of all enterprises in Poland were privately owned due to the significant reduction to barriers to entry. Poland also managed to circumvent most of the hesitation that comes with setting up private companies in a transitional economy. They created nine commercial banks from the Bank of Poland in 1989 and had a larger debt supply and equity cushion than most transitional economies provide. The state also cut soft budget constraints for state-owned enterprises and increased the rates of insolvency, bankruptcy and liquidation of state-owned firms. This allowed for more private enterprises to set up due to a decrease in state-driven competition against them. The quick restructuring of the economy meant the private sector had much less uncertainty in setting up and had massive efficiency advantages compared to state-owned enterprises. 
While the rapid privatization and cut-off regulations has contributed to a growing economic divide, it did cause a substantial growth of the Polish economy immediately post-communism. It subsequently managed to avoid the middle income trap by effective reallocation of resources and implementation of robust legal and democratic reforms, causing sustained growth that helped the Polish economy avoid even the 2008 recession. The second incredibly interesting economic state or economic situation that the Polish economy thrived in was the financial crisis of 2008. Poland is the only economy that managed to avoid the crash in 2008 and is in fact one of the fastest growing economies presently in Europe. Just to put this into context, Poland is currently 25% larger than what they were in 2008. Contrast this with the rest of Europe and European average growth, which is less than 1%, and you begin to understand just how impressive a feat that is. There are several reasons why Poland managed to avoid a recession in 2008. Prime among these is the foreign direct investment being funneled in from the European Union, the presence of a healthy banking sector, as well as policies such as a floating exchange rate for the Zwart. The context is important, as Poland had a rapidly growing economy and structural factors given the timing of its liberalisation schedule were crucial. Prime among these structural factors was the performance of the Polish currency due to a flexible exchange rate. Before 2008, the Zwarte was rapidly strengthening, especially since Poland joined the EU in 2004. The stronger currency initially cushioned a rise in import prices, allowing the country to enter the crisis from a strong position. After 2008 though, the trend of the Zwarte reversed, and it rapidly depreciated to settle at a new lower level. This had yet another cushioning effect, as it made Polish exports more competitive and cheaper. Cheaper exports meant that there was no collapse in Poland's export sector. This further limited imports, which boosted domestic production and consumption of domestic goods due to a lack of import competition. The only real problem with the depreciation of the Zwarte was that investors who had speculatively traded in the steadily strengthening Zwart incurred losses but this was not significant to the economy as a whole. Poland's labour productivity was also high as growing fixed capital formation since liberalisation meant that value per hour worked was quite high in the country. Stable foreign direct investments contributed to fixed capital formation and FDI influx was an important injection into the Polish economy during the recession. There were, of course, regulatory conditions imposed by the government and central bank that somewhat helped cushion the crisis. Unlike most other developed economies, the Polish government decided against introducing a broad fiscal package to increase demand due to an increased budget deficit. They did, though, implement anti-crisis measures in 2009, which provided subsidies and grants to enterprises, unemployment benefits, increased labour market support and increased spending of European Union funds. The central bank lowered its interest rate by nearly 50% and there was not a significant loss of investor confidence and businesses did not hoard cash. A lot of state regulations though did not have their intended benefits, considering unemployment rates still increased despite the industrial subsidy provided. These measures in and of themselves did not actually do much but they helped other factors of the Polish economy that did fortify it against the crash. While the entire banking sector played a significant role, there are four main ways in which Poland's largest commercial state bank, the PKOBP, helped avert the crisis. 
The first was that they expanded credit due to the nation's economic state, which was in stark contrast to foreign banks who were decreasing lending as they became increasingly risk-averse. Government support played an important role in helping the bank expand its lending capacity and it maintained a relatively conservative funding structure. This meant that it was not involved in financially risky subprime securities. Thus, the increase in lending did not undermine the security of the loans as the rate of non-performing loans has remained relatively constant since the crisis. The final consideration was that the PKO-BP improved its own liquidity owing to foreign bank-owned deposit outflow, along with through the reduction of mandatory reserve requirements by the central bank. This further increased the bank's lending capacity despite a contraction in that of foreign non-banks. There are two other environmental factors that helped the Polish economy during the recessionary period. The first was that their industry was not overly dependent on consumer credit, which means that banks managed to maintain relatively steady credit portfolios and Polish borrowers, in turn, were not exposed to sudden credit cuts. The strength of their financial institutions and a quick recovery of consumer credit saw the state increase interest rates and mortgage credit as early as 2009 and 2010. The second was that the Polish economy was not reliant on its exports. And this is important. Its low export share and high domestic consumption share to its GDP meant that Poland was less exposed to the failure of its trading partners in aggravating the crisis. Ultimately, it was the cooperative effect of all these factors such as a flexible exchange rate, the influx of FDI, the size of the economy and the health of its financial institutions that helped Poland through the 2008 recession. A final economic consideration is the recent nationalistic shift of the Polish economy. While Andrzej Duda does favour a market economy, he also is an isolationist leader and has overseen a growing wave of economic nationalism. Between 2016 and 2018, the GDP of Poland did increase and the unemployment did decrease, but the party did not prepare itself for the cyclic downturn that was to follow. This has meant that the economy has now shown signs of stagnating. Poland's cases of COVID-19 have been steadily rising since March, and while there was a small drop in cases in mid to late July, the cases have been on the climb again. The government implemented an anti-crisis plan in April that increases domestic consumer protections, the financing of SMEs and increased market labour protections. Political failures and short-sighted policies such as Family 500 Plus, though, have meant that investors are losing confidence in the Polish economy, and it remains to be seen how the economy performs through a second Duda presidency. Just a quick note on Poland's international relations. Poland has been actively trying to integrate with the West since 1989. It gained associate EU membership in 1994 and obtained a full membership in 2004. It became an OEDC full member in 1996 and a NATO full member state in 1999. Poland has tight security relations with the United States as the US has a missile defense complex located in Poland. Poland also has close bilateral ties with other NATO member states and surrounding countries including Czechia and Lithuania. Duda and the ruling PIS party share especially close ties with Turkey due to Viktor Orban's close ties with the party. Both parties are predicated on very similar ideological grounds and both politicians are anti-LGBTQ and have run on populist platforms. The PIS party has also strained Poland's relationship with Germany of late through the nationalistic rhetoric that they espouse. 
While Poland and Russia have been historic allies in the post-World War II era, Poland has been actively trying to distance itself from Russia ever since it became a post-communist state. This has further increased since the annexation of Crimea, as Poland has been a proponent of increased NATO troops within its border, indicating a degree of paranoia against Russian aggression. At the end of this episode, we see that Poland presents an incredibly interesting case study for both post-communist transitional economies as well as an economy that managed to avoid a global recession. When heard with the previous episode, it also presents an example of right-wing populism and the effects that this may have on not just trade sentiments but also internal politics and international amicability. All in all, Poland provides an interesting story that showcases incredible economic recovery and growth, and it remains to be seen how Duda's second term in office plays out. The term promises to be pretty terrifying for individual liberties and freedoms of Polish citizens, as showcased by the clampdown on LGBTQ activists, but it is unclear how it will impact the economy and foreign relations of Poland. For now, thank you all for tuning in to Matifile, and please, please do share this podcast with your friends, your classmates, and your families. This has been the last of three episodes on the Central European country of Poland. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.